Thank you for listening to the Coal Mind Podcast. This is David Cole from Dallas, Texas, and it's August 2021. In a previous episode of this podcast, I questioned whether the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, the Federal Appellate Court for Texas, Louisiana, and Mississippi, may have grown more conservative than the U.S. Supreme Court under the leadership of Chief Justice Roberts. In particular, I looked at two Fifth Circuit cases that the Supreme Court reviewed in the last term, Collins v. Yellen, about the structure of the regulator for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and California v. Texas, about the constitutionality of the Affordable Care Act. The answer to the question is, it depends. These cases ultimately show that not all conservatism is the same. First, some background on the two courts. Both are generally conservative, using the often-cited measure of the political party for the president who appoints a judge or justice. As for the Fifth Circuit, at the end of the Trump administration, that court had 17 active judges. Twelve of them, or 70 percent, were appointed by Republican presidents, six of whom were appointed in the last four years by President Trump. Several senior judges also sit on the Fifth Circuit, and loosely speaking, a similar percentage of them were appointed by Republican presidents as well, although their workloads and schedules vary depending on their personal situations and the needs of the court. As for the Supreme Court, at the end of the Trump administration, the Supreme Court had nine active justices, six of whom were appointed by Republican presidents, and of those six, three were appointed in the last four years by President Trump, Justices Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. While these percentages are roughly similar, they provide only a general outline. Conservatism has many dimensions, and when the Supreme Court granted review of two high-profile cases during its last term, that raised the question whether the conservatism of the Fifth Circuit had gone beyond that of the Roberts Court, and that was the focus of an earlier episode of this podcast. The first of those cases was Collins v. Yellen called Collins v. Mnuchin when it was in the Fifth Circuit. The case dealt with the structure of the Federal Housing Finance Agency, or FHFA, who became the regulator of Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae after the 2008 financial crisis. The FHFA was led by a single director who could be removed by the president only for cause. As part of the rescuing and restructuring of those two organizations after the 2008 crisis, FHFA conducted quarterly net worth sweeps of Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, requiring to pay all of their earnings for that quarter to the U.S. Treasury, a sum that amounted to billions of dollars. The Collins litigation involved two issues. First, the constitutionality of the FHFA's structure with its one director, removable only for cause, and second, if the FHFA was unconstitutionally structured, whether the appropriate remedy was to fix that one statutory provision or to require the unwinding of the entirety of the multi-billion dollar net worth sweeps. In the Fifth Circuit, after a divided opinion from a three-judge panel, the case proceeded to the full en banc court and a solid 12-4 majority of the en banc court concluded that the organization, the FHFA, was not constitutionally structured because the president lacked sufficient power to fire its director. The issue of remedy, however, was a much closer question. There were several opinions on the matter, but ultimately the court divided 9-7, to with the narrow nine-judge majority concluding that it was not proper to undo the net worth sweeps and endorsing a much narrower remedy of severing the unconstitutional provision from the relevant statutes Congress had passed to create and define the scope of the FHFA and its duties. The Supreme Court agreed to review the case. After briefing and arguments, that court agreed with the Fifth Circuit's conclusion about constitutionality. There was more than one opinion on the point, but a majority of justices agreed that 
that the FHFA was not constitutionally structured, particularly in light of a Supreme Court opinion from the previous term involving a very similar structural issue with the leadership of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, another agency created in the wake of the 2008 crisis. As to remedy, however, eight of the nine justices agreed that undoing the net worth sweep was a step too far, with Justice Neil Gorsuch as the sole dissenter. While the ultimate result was the same then, a specific remedy for a particular structural issue with an administrative agency, the two courts' processes of getting there were notably different. Just under half of the en banc Fifth Circuit was willing to require the undoing of the net worth sweep, some massive multi-billion dollar financial transaction, because of the statutory problem with the president's ability to remove the FHFA's director. In contrast, only one Supreme Court justice expressed a willingness to do so. That difference is significant as a practical matter because of the different ways these two courts handle their business. When the Supreme Court reviews a case, all nine of its justices are part of that review. They all review the briefs, participate in oral argument, and contribute to the necessary opinions to resolve the matter. The Fifth Circuit, on the other hand, handles almost all of its cases in three-judge panels. A litigant can be fairly confident in reviewing how the Supreme Court may examine an issue that it will not consider another sweeping remedy, such as this net worth sweep reversal, because all nine justices are known to be of record on that matter looking at the same facts in the same case. But for the Fifth Circuit, there is a chance that you could get three justices, all of whom were in the minority in the Ambach resolution of this case. And there is at least a non-trivial chance, perhaps even a substantial chance, that you would have judges and perhaps even a majority of judges on your panel who have expressed a willingness to go further on the issue of remedy than the Supreme Court was on this particular example. The second case is California versus Texas, a challenge to the constitutionality of the Affordable Care Act after the removal of its so-called individual mandate. The case was pursued by a combination of states and individuals, and a Fifth Circuit panel concluded that the plaintiffs had standing to bring the challenge in their lawsuit and went on to agree with them that the act had become unconstitutional. Eight to one, the Supreme Court reversed, not on the merits, which had produced a great deal of discussion, but on the threshold issue of standing. Justice Breyer, writing for the court, pointed out that the plaintiff's grievances had nothing to do with the provisions that they were challenging. In his words, as to the individual plaintiffs, the statutory provision, while it tells them to obtain that coverage, has no means of enforcement. With the penalty zeroed out, the IRS can no longer seek a penalty from those who fail to comply. Because of this, there is no possible government action that is causally connected to the plaintiff's injury, the costs of purchasing health insurance. He went on to make similar observations about the other plaintiffs and their respective lack of standing. Is that result more conservative than the Fifth Circuit's? At one level, it's essentially apolitical. It's an application of precedent about the fairly technical issue of who may properly have standing to bring a lawsuit. But at another level, it is profoundly conservative in that it draws a well-defined limit about who can and cannot invoke the power of a federal court to address a constitutional challenge to a statute. The Supreme Court's ruling here was conservative in one sense of the word, but in a sense that focused more on the overall operation of the legal system rather than the equities of this particular case. As to this case, the question whether the Roberts Court is more or less conservative in the Fifth Circuit may simply be the wrong question, given the Supreme Court's need to focus on the entire nation's judicial system and its role as the country's one court of last resort. As to this case, the question whether the Roberts Court is more or less conservative than the Fifth Circuit may simply be the wrong question, given the Supreme Court's need to focus on the entire nation's judicial system and its role as the country's one court of last resort.
Today on Coal Mind, we considered whether the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit had grown more conservative than the U.S. Supreme Court led by Chief Justice John Roberts. One case suggests that the overall makeup of the Fifth Circuit is more conservative than the Supreme Court. The other, however, reminds us that the roles of the two courts are different, and with those different roles comes a different concept of what it means to be conservative in judging. This is the second year of the Coal Mind podcast, and I'm delighted, in addition to beginning it with this episode, to note a couple of collaborations recently in the last couple of weeks with my college classmate Sarah Alcorn and her colleague and friend Laura rodriguez McDonald on their very successful podcast, Ivy League Murders. We discussed the Britney Spears conservatorship and the recent Pennsylvania Supreme Court case involving Bill Cosby. If you enjoy this episode, this podcast, or those other episodes on Ivy League murders, please follow this podcast on any of the main directories available for them. And if you like it, I encourage you to leave a good review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate you listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again soon. 